0: You're listening to the Redeemer Theological Academy with Pastor Brian Cashelmeyer of Redeemer Lutheran Church, Los Alamos, New Mexico. On the Redeemer Theological Academy, we mine the riches of the Scripture and the Church Fathers and find in them Jesus, our Savior, our Redeemer. Here's the Academy with Pastor Cashelmeyer. Welcome back
1: to the Redeemer Theological Academy. Now, in today's lecture, we are continuing with Isaiah chapter 56. Let's go ahead and pick up at verse 3. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to Yahweh say, Yahweh will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says Yahweh, To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me, and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a better name than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Now, in this second portion, we want to emphasize the pronoun being used, the modifier. My house, my walls, my covenant. Yahweh is speaking these words of comfort to the converted foreigner, the eunuch. Yahweh is giving him words of comfort, assuring him that my house, my walls, my covenant, that he will act on behalf of those who have been converted to the faith. Of course, in contrast, you have the apostate leaders who have their house and their walls and their covenant. Remember in Isaiah 28, we have that striking passage about their covenant. Yahweh declares, Because you have said, we have made a covenant with death, and with Sheol we have an agreement. When the overwhelming whip passes through, it will not come to us. We have made lies our refuge, and in falsehood, we have taken shelter. Again, notice that the apostates, they are not looking to Yahweh for salvation or righteousness. They look to themselves in their own works, their own methods of obtaining their own holiness. They have their own covenant, their own agreement, their own refuge, and their own shelter. But it is not Yahweh. He's not the one that they run to. However, the irony we have in Isaiah 56 is that the foreigners, the eunuch, those who are outside the covenant, have been converted. and Now Yahweh makes a promise to them. So when the eunuch says, I am a dry tree, Yahweh says, do not say that I am a dry tree. Even though you do not have children, God assures them that he will give them something better, an everlasting name. That is the name of Yahweh, that they would call upon the name of Jesus and would be saved. They would not be put to shame. God will give himself as the covenant. Let's return back to Isaiah chapter 56 and pick up at verse 6. And the foreigners who join themselves to Yahweh, to minister him, to love the name of Yahweh, and to be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it, and holds fast my covenant. These I will bring to my holy mountain, and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Now again, take note of the modifying word here, my. The God is assuring these converted Gentiles that they will be participants, partakers of my holy mountain. My house of prayer, my altar, that they will be my people. Therefore, we're talking about the conversion of the Gentiles, who will be brought to the house of prayer for all peoples. These are the ones who have joined themselves to Yahweh to minister to him. Now, notice that this this word here, to minister, is a liturgical word for the priestly service that they are the ones who will be ministering in a priestly service at the temple and the altar of God. Now This is phenomenal because, of course, under the Old Testament, only the sons of Levi, the sons of Aaron in particular, can serve as Levitical priests. But here we're talking about converted Gentiles, converted foreigners who will minister in this priestly service so that the name of Yahweh may be proclaimed, that the word of Yahweh may have free course. Remember, these are the ones who keep the Sabbath and love the name of Yahweh. They're the ones who will hold fast to his covenant. it's in that priestly service, the place where God's name is named, that the people of God are blessed. Now, back in Exodus chapter 20, when Yahweh spoke to his people, he says, In every place where I cause my name to be remembered, I will come to you and bless you. These are individuals who love the name of Yahweh. They are his servants. They are those who keep his Sabbath, hear his word, Listen to his voice and rejoice. Now, they are his servants. Now, remember, throughout Isaiah, we're talking about the faithful servant, which, of course, is the incarnate one, the righteous one, the one who comes in the name of Yahweh, the son of David, the one who is the Messiah to come, that he is the suffering servant. He is the faithful servant. And of course, he's always contrasted to the unfaithful servants, the apostate rulers and leaders of the people of Israel. But now we have many servants. So through the one faithful servant, many servants will come, like in Isaiah 54. This is the heritage of the servants, in plural, of Yahweh, and their righteousness is from me, declares Yahweh. Now, there's only one who is holy. There is only one who is righteous. He is the righteous suffering servant. Yet through the person and work of this servant, the true servant, the suffering servant, many will be made righteous and begin to serve him. But notice that the apostate leaders, even the Levitical priests in Isaiah, they are unrighteous. They are wicked. They are unbelievers and unrepentant, and they will be replaced. They'll be replaced by the apostles first, and later on the successors of the apostles, as this word goes out from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth, that many would be brought to faith and converted, many foreigners, many Gentiles. Remember the promise to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. Yahweh says, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Well, wherever the name of Yahweh is caused to be remembered, it is at that place that he comes to bless us, that he comes to be present with his word and sacrament to bestow upon us his holiness, to grant us the remission of sins. Now, we're talking specifically here about converted Gentiles, the foreigners, the foreigners who join themselves to Yahweh. These are ones who are converted to the faith. Now, in Reed Lessing's commentary on Isaiah, he notes here that the similarity in the Hebrew words between joining or attaching and the word Levi. And we can see this most clearly in Genesis chapter 29 with that Hebrew word play. That again she conceived and bore a son, and she said, Now this time my husband will be attached to me, that is joined to me, because I have borne him three sons. Therefore his name was called Levi. See, in the Hebrew, this word for Levi and attach or join sounds similar. And now you have that same word play that we have a Levitical priest, sons of Aaron, who only can be priests under the Old Testament. But now under the New Testament, with new things, you will have foreigners who are converted that are made priests. That is, those who minister and serve in the priestly service of proclaiming the gospel, of leading in the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, And, of course, who pray on the benefit of the people of God. Later on in Isaiah chapter 66, you'll see this direct correlation with these Gentiles being converted and made priests under the New Testament. Isaiah writes in chapter 66, And they shall bring all your brothers from all the nations as an offering to Yahweh on horses and in chariots and litters and on mules and on dromedaries to my holy mountain, Jerusalem, says Yahweh, just as the Israelites bring their grain offering in a clean vessel to the house of Yahweh. And some of them also I will take for priests and for Levites, says Yahweh. He's taking these converted Gentiles and making them into Levitical priests. This, of course, is something outside the realm of the Old Testament. According to the institution of the Levitical priesthood, you had to be a son of Aaron. But now you have converted Gentiles who will be serving in the priestly service of proclaiming the gospel and bringing people to faith in Christ through their word. Now, in Zechariah chapter 2, in a very similar way, you have the echoing of this conversion of the Gentiles, in which we hear these words. Many nations shall join themselves to Yahweh in that day, and shall be my people, and I will dwell in your midst, and you shall know Yahweh of hosts has sent me to you. Now, again, we have this play on these Hebrew words that sounds similar. This word for joining or attaching sounds like Levi, so that they will be converted, they will be attached and joined, and then they will serve in this priestly office. Now What's in this priestly office? Well, this is the place where God's name is proclaimed, in his holy mountain, in his house of prayer, at his altar. Now, notice that when we talk about the temple, the place where God's glory dwells, that this is a house of prayer, but in particular, it is a house of prayer for all peoples. This is the place for all humanity to come to the location of God's promised presence. And once again, we recall that the temple building, the tabernacle in the Old Testament, is a picture, it is an image of the Incarnation, the location where God promises His presence to bless all nations. All peoples are to be blessed in Him, the Son that has been given, the baby that has been born for us and for our salvation. If you look at Ephesians chapter 2, where the Apostle Paul proclaims this gospel not only to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles, he states this to the baptized in Ephesus. He came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who are near. For through him, this of course is Christ who came to preach, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Remember that when Paul is writing to the baptized in Ephesus, predominantly these are going to be Gentile converts who have been baptized into the Christian faith in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They have been given God's glorious name. They are made partakers of the covenant that God promised to bring. God gathers through the gospel, whereas Satan scatters through sin. Now we're talking about the assembly of the Lord. He assembles his people around his word and his sacrament, both the audible and visual word of God. The Holy Spirit calls, gathers, and enlightens. He brings people who are not God's people to the holy mountain of God to become God's people. This is the whole work of conversion through the proclamation of the gospel. The message of Jesus, the good shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep. Of course, when we're talking about gathering, this is the image of a shepherd. A shepherd gathers, just like Isaiah said back in chapter 40. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. And when the incarnate one comes, the good shepherd who lays down his life for a sheep, recall that in John chapter 10, he says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock. And one shepherd. That Jesus comes to be the Savior of the nations. And for this reason, he sends the apostles out to the nations to baptize and teach in the triune name of God. Later on in Isaiah 66, Yahweh says, I know their works and their thoughts, and the time is coming to gather all nations and tongues, and they shall come and shall see my glory. Of course, Jesus himself is the incarnate glory of Yahweh. Those who were in darkness and deception and death by the devil will be brought into his glorious light. Remember, those who labor and are oppressed by demons will receive the promised gift of spiritual rest, rest for their soul. Therefore, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast to my covenant... Yahweh declares he will bring to his holy mountain. Again, those who keep the Sabbath are those who hear the word, specifically the word incarnate. Now, the Old Testament Sabbath is a shadow of Jesus, who is the reality to come. And he's the New Testament, the New Testament that is given in his blood. Thus, Yahweh is talking about the converted who hold fast to his covenant. He says, I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Back in Isaiah 55, the previous chapter. This, of course, is all founded upon the promised mercy of David in the new covenant. That is, the New Testament in the blood of Jesus. Through Jesus, we have access to the Father in the Holy Spirit. The language of the holy mountain, this is the place where God's glory dwells in the midst of his people. The holy mountain of God is the place where the people of God are gathered around his presence. Now, when Isaiah talks about this joining of the people of God to God at the mountain, this, of course, always goes back to chapter 2. The mountain of God that will go out higher than all the mountains of the earth. Thus the prophet writes, It shall come to pass in the latter days, the mountain of the house of Yahweh shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of Yahweh, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go the Torah and the word of Yahweh from Jerusalem. Again, understand the parallel. The house of God is the mountain of God. This is all incarnational language. The place where God's name is proclaimed and his presence is promised. You draw near to God's face, For his grace. And this mountain of God, this is the place where there will be life, salvation, and the forgiveness of sins. Now, in Isaiah chapter 25, when we hear about God defeating death on this mountain, it is on this mountain Yahweh of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well refined. Now, the mountain of God, again, is the place where God dwells with his people. And we have this understanding that in the Old Testament, that that most formidable mountain of God is Mount Sinai. Of course, it is at the top of the mountain where Moses sees God. That's the place of God's presence in the Old Testament, the most significant place Well, now we are transitioning from that mountain where Moses receives the Ten Commandments and now a new mountain, the holy mountain of God, the mountain that will be for all nations. This is Mount Zion, the place where God's glory will dwell for all people. Now, going back to Exodus chapter 19, Moses gives us this account of Mount Sinai. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast, so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because Yahweh had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder." Now observe that the noise, the sound, the sound of the trumpet was loud and it became louder and louder. A trumpet blast that caused fear and trembling in the people of God. But notice that this trumpet blast, this sound of the trumpet, only goes to the people of God there at Mount Sinai. Now we're talking about a greater mountain in the New Testament. That mountain, of course, at Mount Sinai, is a picture of the greater reality to come. The holy mountain of Yahweh, in which his Christ will be placed and reign throughout the whole earth. That When the mountain of Yahweh, the holy mountain, comes, the kingdom of God comes through the incarnate King, The sound, that is the voice of God, will go further than just to the people of Israel. This sound will go out to the ends of the earth. It will grow louder and louder and louder. But instead of being a sound that that strikes fear and causes trembling and quaking in its hearing, this will be the voice of God that is clear and sure and comforting in the announcement of the forgiveness of sins, all for the sake of Jesus. And in the book of Hebrews, at chapter 12, we see this contrast most clearly. Picking up at verse 18 in chapter 12 of Hebrews. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest, and the sound of a trumpet, and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further message be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new testament, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Notice the contrast between the sound in the terrifying voice at Mount Sinai in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant with Moses, and then the sweet sound in voice of Jesus. Come to me, everyone who is burdened and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. The sound of the sweet voice of Jesus in the New Testament, the New Covenant in his blood shed for us for the forgiveness of sins that we might be made righteous that we might become servants of God God's own people and heirs according to the promise now it was Moses who promised that a prophet like him would be raised up and they are to listen to him but yet when he came they did not listen to the son of God they said to themselves quick Look, here is the heir. Let us put him to death and take his inheritance. And this is precisely what they did to all the prophets who proclaim the coming kingdom. The prophets who were sent to bring God's people back. The prophets who were sent to bring conversion through his word, giving the gift of the Holy Spirit. But yet, the more God sent the prophets— the more the people of God resisted the Holy Spirit and refused to listen to the voice of God. Take, for example, the prophet Elijah when he goes back to the mountain of God. In 1 Kings chapter 19, we have the account that there he came to a cave and he lodged in it. And behold, the word of Yahweh came to him and said, this, of course, is the second person of the Holy Trinity, Asking the question, What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah said, I have been very jealous for Yahweh, the God of hosts, because the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go out and stand on the mount before Yahweh. And behold, Yahweh passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before Yahweh. But Yahweh was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But Yahweh was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But Yahweh was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. Now, Notice in this account in which Elijah stands before the Word of God. God does not promise to dwell in the thunder and the wind or the earthquake on Mount Sinai anymore. Instead he promised to dwell where his name is located, where his name is proclaimed. Again, Moses had written in Exodus 20 at verse 24, In every place where I cause my name to be remembered, I will come to you and bless you. The Israelites moved from Mount Sinai. It was temporary. It was a location where God came to visibly, tangibly be present in that smoke and in the fire. But it's not the place where God promised to permanently dwell in their midst. God promises to come and make those people who are not his people into his people by converting their hearts, opening their eyes to see, and their ears to hear. Even though God's own people had his word, they had broken his covenant, they had thrown down his altars, and they killed his prophets stuffing their ears so they would not hear what he had to say. But it's the Lord God who continues to send out his prophets, pointing to the sending of the Son. The Father sends the Word. The Word becomes flesh. The Word is rejected, crucified, died, buried, and raised again. And then he ascends. And when he ascends, his voice goes out to the ends of the earth, and his mountain is exalted higher than any of the other
0: mountains. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Redeemer Theological Academy. For more episodes or to leave comments about this show, please visit our website, RedeemerTheologicalAcademy.org. Again, that's RedeemerTheologicalAcademy.org. Thanks for listening. And may our Redeemer, Jesus Christ, continue to be your life and salvation, your hope and your peace.